0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard.
1: This is for you This is for you and me And who we see When we see each other This is for all This is for all the time You tried to find Your sister or your brother And you're not crazy anymore You've been waiting at the door
0: and it's time
1: to open. Oh yes 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 it is time to open you are listening to waking up in America radio magazine dynamic radio dialogues on life today in America brought to you by the coning company DrVal.com, and doctor is all spelled out and 42 action.org and 42 is the numbers. So Bob Stracosta says we're doing radio that is changing the world, and we really appreciate that, Bob. Thank you so much for your support. So hop on over to our website at wakingupinamerica.com, and during the show, if you want to make a comment or something like that, you can tweet Randy, R-A-N-D-I, at Randy Shannon. Okay? So Randy at Randy Shannon with two Ns. Now you might hear a telephone ringing, a dog barking, or an angel singing as we call in from our homes and offices from around the world to cause this program. And Jesus spoke in Aramaic in the Lord's Prayer. To pray actually means to go out and get that which is yours in the world and always include a prayer for the celebration of our republic for the United States of America. And today we ask for the respect for our animal friends as well as for each other and our communities. We are a nation structured in Christian values. Hey, the Ten Commandments work, guys. One of the ways that um, I guide my life is something that was given to me: the Ten Commandments. And it seems to me like if everybody did that, that everything would be fine for all. for all. So we're really pleased to have our guest here today. His name is Randall Niece, and we're going to call him Randy. And he'll be Topanga Randy, and um, our host, so that we don't get confused, uh, Randy Shannon will be, will be Miami Randy. Is that good, Randy? That sounds good. Right.
2: for me. Okay, very,
1: very good, Randys. Okay, okay so here we what can I say? Um, I've had my dog being. Taking care of at Canyon View Ranch, and for those of you that may remember some of the stories I've told, I've had quite a story with this dog, and that's how I met um, Randy Neese and Randall Neese and um, Joe, and uh, what can I tell you? These are amazing human beings, and they have transformed my poor, um, my dog that was, hmm, I think he had something called... She has something called frightened dog syndrome, so it made her a very <laughs> unstable little doggy. Mm-hmm. And um, Randy and Joe have taken care of that, and they do amazing things with animals. And while I was over at Canyon View Ranch, which, by the way, you would probably like if they had room, like to book yourself in for the weekend yourself, <laughs> <laughs> this is a place that has a bone-shaped swimming pool for dogs. <laughs> this is a place that has llamas and turtles and and beautiful horses. This is a place that, when you look at it, it's just perfection. You, it's, the thoughtfulness that's gone into providing this facility for dogs. And I think I saw somewhere, Randy Kapanga Randy, mm-hmm. that um, when that you wanted people to feel good about leaving their dogs when they when they came. So you've done everything so that the people think that they're giving their dogs a really big treat which they are to be at canyon view ranch
3: yeah you know a lot of it is is not just the fun for the dogs but it's fun for the owners as well you know to be honest the dogs really don't care what shape the pool is in (laughs) (laughs) but but the owners do and it's fun for them to see those kinds of things and see the dogs running behind the waterfalls and across the stepping stones across the ponds and through the underground tunnels and you know they have a ball it's 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 Kind of our little Disneyland for the dogs. Yeah, yeah, it's totally, and you you love it. And in fact, I've encouraged friends to go out and visit just just to
1: see the layout. Because who knew dogs? When you hear the phrase "a dog's life," this is it. <laughs> over Canyon View Yeah, Man. we
3: say every dog has a day every day at Canyon View.
1: So. Yeah, there you go. So That's while sweet. I was standing over there, uh, uh, I- admiring the work of of of. Um, randy and his husband joe (laughs) randy handed me a book that it said gone today here tomorrow and i went okay great you know uh so i started reading it by the time i got done reading the book i was like totally exhausted i saw them in a totally different way because they've gone through some trials together that are unbelievable and they've been very successful at
3: the trials that they go through and you and joe have been married for how long now We've been together for 32 years, actually it'll be 33 years coming uh, uh uh in about 4 weeks. Um uh and then on our th- the fifth year we met in 83 and we have been together every night since the night we met. So it was kind of that, you know, love at first sight kind of story. And uh and then on the fifth year of the day we had met, we had a ceremony. And that was 1988. So the the the, the word gay marriage was didn't even exist then but we felt that it was important to share, you know, to make our commitment public uh, with our friends. And so we had a wonderful ceremony at our doctor's home in Pacific Palisades overlooking the ocean. And um, and it's kind of been that way ever since 1983. Mm-hmm. What, what a legacy. What an incredible legacy. <laughs> Not easy, let me tell you. Anybody tells you you've been married 30, 32 years and it's been simple. They're lying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you had something to do with causing some of the stress in it because you happened to catch that nasty thing
3: called AIDS. Yeah, wasn't that a bummer? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it was it was you know there were a lot of um, a lot of uh, miracles attached to just not only my survival but uh, you know not the least of which was that I had been exposed not knowing this, I didn't really know that I was HIV positive until about a month before our wedding in eighty eight. And the test had not been around for very long, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't, you know, easy it wasn't like everybody knew their status. But I, I I was applying for life insurance and got denied because of abnormalities found in my blood and I kinda knew what that meant in nineteen eighty eight. And then got tested and was positive. But because, and Joe got tested as well, and he was negative, and we had been together five years in huh. a rom- monogamous relationship. So what that told me was that I had been exposed prior to Joe and I meeting without even knowing it. Right. And the real miracle was that in those first five years, I didn't expose Joe, or Joe didn't. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. So aside from the fact that I ended up, in the long run, surviving it all by barely, um, the idea that Joe remained negative all these years was, you know, the miracle upon miracles.
1: Yeah, totally. And I want to just take a moment and dedicate this program to all of you out there. I've personally lost six friends to AIDS over the years, and it broke Mm -hmm. my heart every time. And I know that there are those of you in the listening audience, I don't know if there's any... Buddy, you've lost in your family, Miami Randy, Um, and I've just—I even found out that one of my friends had died because I saw—I was watching a movie that had been made in the community, and I saw a memorial in the credits, and I just—I didn't know I had talked to him like six months before, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know I wasn't calling, and I thought about it, and then all of a sudden I see that he's died, and he's in the credits of a movie for gosh sakes.
3: You know, Val. That's that's one of the things that really turned the tide a lot in the AIDS epidemic. Was the um, same thing in the gay in the gay community and in, in people accepting their brothers and sisters or sons and daughters as being gay and lesbian. Was that suddenly somebody knew somebody who was HIV positive or had AIDS. Somebody suddenly it was somebody's son or somebody's daughter or so, you know somebody's yeah. father or somebody's brother, and yeah. there suddenly became a connection that people felt and that really turned the tide a lot in terms of the general concern and empathy and action from the general public was they started to know people who were going through this it wasn't them out there anymore it was people they knew and loved and then at a certain point it wasn't even i I don't mean even
1: but it wasn't even gay people it wasn't just gay people all of a sudden it was showing up in heterosexual relationships and children from blood transfusions and all kinds of
3: things. It was just. I real... used to do all of Kaiser Permanente's uh, educational videos for many years, and one of them that I did was a video, a four-part video called "Now That You Know: Living H- Living Positive with HIV." And a number of the people I interviewed were women whose husbands had had affairs and had come home and exposed their wife. So, you know, they didn't even know, you know, it wasn't a matter of them even um, being promiscuous or gay or or having extramarital affairs. It was, they were a victim of, of their husband's issues. So it, it became, it, it, it didn't take long for it to go beyond the gay community. Uh, and, and that was my experience in doing the, the video programs and educational programs was we had to start talking to everybody, not just gay white men like me.
1: That's true. Do you know Ivy Bettini? No. Do you know that name? No. Ivy Bettini was one of the first people to start talking about AIDS and what was happening. She was she's uh I think she's a lesbian. I'm not, yeah, I believe she is. Um and that, and I'm not adding or subtracting um about her because of that. What I'm saying is that she was talking to everybody in the early in the in the 70s actually. So I first started hearing about it in the 70s, and she, I went to a speech that she was giving, and she said something new has come to town, and it's devastating.
3: Yes, boy, was she right on that one.
1: Yeah, and then so I was, um, I was training to be a therapist. I was doing my 3,000 hours, okay, at a at a Hollywood social services agency. So I was seeing everything at that time, all the way from street prostitution to alcoholism to the um, AIDS movement, uh, what was happening with that, and and you know I remember when Rock Hudson um, caught AIDS. Mm-hmm. I remember John, my friend John Layton, uh, who um, actually had spent time with Rock Hudson, and he was afraid he had it. You know there were just all these these cross currents going on, and that, I remember the AIDS quilt. Do you know where that is right now, Randy? By any chance? Well, the,
3: the the headquarters in San Francisco. I mean, that's where it's stored. The entire quilt is stored. But and how it's big is that? There and, um, it's and huge. Uh, yeah, Clay Owens uh, started that uh, back in the I believe it was the late '80s. And a lot of my dear friends have their quilt. They have their pieces of that quilt. I'm sorry to say.
1: Yeah.
3: What And you it came very close of- to me having one too. <laughs> Tell our listeners what the AIDS quilt is. The AIDS quilt was started. It's actually I don't know how many. Gosh, it's got to be you know a square mile now if it's all laid out completely. But it they are they are uh, six by I think three by six foot patches uh, that have been quilted together, and each person took a a piece and de- donate uh, uh, dedicated to their friend who had passed from AIDS. And the first time it was displayed was on the Capitol Mall, and Joe and I went to it, and boy, it just draws up tears to this day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a sight you cannot imagine. When you see that many patches of material, and knowing each one represents a, a, a human being that's no longer with us, it's it's breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. Do you think they're going to put it out again anywhere? They do bring it out every once in a while. It, you know, it's it's it, 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 you know it's tough because AIDS has become such a backstory, you know, back story now. And um, you know, I think the foundation just struggles just to pay the rent to store it. But I see, you know, Facebook message uh, posts all the time that you know it's being hung in this. At this college or that college, and it's usually never the whole thing. It's just you know pieces of it that they'll bring out uh, as a reminder. But it's a very very powerful visual. So and if you ever Randy. have a chance to see it, go. Miami, Randy.
2: Yes, ma'am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've been remarkably sil- This is this is a chatty person, so. <laughs> um, I yeah, out, I kiddo. am usually
2: very yeah i've been i've uh not known anyone with h i v and it's just like I don't know it's just never affected anyone in in my circles. The only person I'm sure I've known a lot of gay people in life but the only one that I know of that's openly gay is my hairdresser and he does my hair awesomely so um I just haven't had to go through any of this suffering or know what any of this uh even is It doesn't mean that um it's not something that people shouldn't hear about uh it's just it's just it hasn't touched me, so I just don't have the knowledge in this. I go down a lot of rabbit holes, but not this one. I just haven't. Don't had any, you don't too. have to
1: go down this so. rabbit hole, and I'm sure Randy would, Randall would agree with you. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Kind of, I hear more from from readers who uh, are experiencing cancer and heart issues and other life-threatening issues way more than I do from people who have AIDS uh, in really? response to my book. And, I, and, I, and, and that was sort of the point it, I, I, really, I really didn't necessarily want to make it an aid story Although I think there's a real, um, a real history lesson within the book Folded within the book But it really is more of a, a story about overcoming you know, a huge obstacle And how do you get through that And how do you get through that as a couple uh, and, and that really is kind of the underlying message in the book uh, as opposed to it just being just an aid story, and I think there's a lot of things that all of us who go through these life threatening uh, moments in our life or these life altering moments you know you either come out of it a winner or or you let it you let it crush you and so, hey, you know I was thinking about you
1: your' um singing with the young Americans and then your work in television, and um those are very high profile um uh, kind of like effective jobs you have to be effective to be a producer on television Mm -hmm. you have to show up for performances and do well when you're a young american Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff and i'm wondering if that mindset that that you had about your persistence i read about what you went through just to get a tv show on the air and then it might only last for like
3: yeah, you gotta have a lot of backbone and tenacity and and uh, thick skin to survive television because it's yeah. the, you know it's so it's feast or famine, you know you, the, you you got a show on the air you know one day and the money's rolling in and it you know you get your cancellation notice and you go for the next five years trying to get another show, uh, and you know so it's 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 a tough life. Um, it may be a tough but life, does, but if... it 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 does build up a lot of. Um, I don't know, tenacity in one. I was just going to say, I think it saved your life, actually. Yeah, I think it has. And then in, in, early on, in, in being in the Young Americans, I was only 16 years old when I got in the group. And the most, most of the other... Uh, the Young Americans, for those that don't know, was a uh, singing group. It kind of started, it started the whole Glee movement. So if you watch Glee, the Young Americans were really the very first show choir uh, that started back in the 60s. And I was, you know, auditioned and got into the group and traveled the world for four years and did a lot of television shows. But I was 16 years old, and most of the other kids in the group were 19 and 20 and 21. And there's a real big difference between a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old. So to be accepted, I had to kind of grow up quickly. Uh, And because I was a minor, I would have to sit in the hotel room and do my homework while everybody was out you know, running around the country having fun. So I <laughs> learned a lot of self-discipline at, at, at a very early age uh, because I really had a big job. I had a job, and I still had to be a student. And those kind of life lessons, I think, carried me through the rest of my career. You know, I think for you to do what well,
1: <laughs> I was telling um, uh, Randall before the show, that after i got finished reading the book the next time i saw joe i just put my arms around him and hugged him because i don't know how you stand it i I don't know how relationships stand and endure with the kind of stress that was in because you
3: you were having an incredibly painful experience yeah it was uh... when i was diagnosed in 88 i was fine i mean i didn't even know i was sick you know i didn't feel anything um, but generally, that was the that was the insidious thing about the AIDS virus and HIV is that it takes about ten years for symptoms to start showing. Wow, so, that's a long time. Uh, yeah, it can be up to ten years. So y- 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 that's why so many of the young people today who are HIV positive, more than half of them don't even know it um, because there are no symptoms. You would feel fine, um, but by nineteen eighty by nineteen ninety three. Pretty much 10 years after I think I was exposed, I got my first what they called opportunistic infections, which, was, which then moved me, advanced me from being HIV positive to having full-blown AIDS. And from 93 to 96, when the cocktail finally came out, I was in and out of the hospital all the time. And when I wasn't in the hospital, I was at home hooked up to IVs and being taken care of by Joe. Uh, he quit his job eventually just to take care of me. He refused to let me go, even though I was begging him to just, you know, stop the treatments, let me just go, let nature take its course, and let me go. He refused to give up, and um, and you know, here I am. You
1: know, I thought one of the most poignant things in the book was when you wanted the pills that you had collected because you had said that you had had enough.
3: Yeah, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it's not talked a lot about, but the the reality was back in the late 80s and 90s, a lot of people who were beginning be, uh, becoming very, very ill with AIDS had their own methods of what they called self-delivering at that point, because there was no hope, it was absolute torture, and it was just easier to let yourself go either with pills or have a friend help or... A doctor, help, and that was really going on a lot. Nobody talked about it, but it was not an uncommon thing. I say in my book, the uh, book Final Exit, which is a a book about how to, you know, different ways to have a final exit. Uh um, That was, you know, a bestseller in West Hollywood at the time. um, I get it because we were all, you know, kind of so ready to just move on uh, and get this over with. And the problem was that while they didn 't have anything that really made you better or made you well, they just had stuff the drugs just kind of kept hanging you on longer and longer and longer to go through kind of more drawn out deaths and um, so a lot of awful lot of people were just ready to you know take that into their own hands, and I was certainly one of them
1: well, you know the California legislature right now is passing um Things on um, assisted suicide. Did you
3: know that? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. a lot of states are doing hmm. that, and a lot of people are moving to Oregon because they've already. There's way ahead of the curve, but, yeah, and, and a few other states. But you know, people ask me that sometimes now. How do I feel about um, assisted suicide or um, self-delivering? Because after all, if I had gone through with it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No, I know. I'm very aware. Of, I just got chills. I'm very so, well aware of that. you know, and 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 I have to think about that a little bit. You know, the the big dilemma for me was not so much was that the right or wrong thing to do, but but when was it the time to do it? Right. And, right. Um, and I think uh, you know, who knows? I mean, just some bait stepped in, and Joe dug his heels in, and. Did I not? Did I hang in there long enough for
1: the real miracle I'm, to happen? I'm laughing because if you ever meet Joe, you'll know why Randy Randall is still here. Because when Joe makes up his mind, Joe makes up oh his mind. Oh my
3: God, he's just like <laughs> you think I'm tenacious. Oh my goodness. So
2: are you 100% healed? Oh are no you no cured?
3: no 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 not at all. I'm I, you know I I'm still HIV positive. It's still in my system. What the, what the cocktail does is it suppresses it. It, sends, it, it, it makes, the, basically, the virus run for hiding. And it hides mm. in what they call sanctuaries or reservoirs in, within your body, where the drug can't quite get to it, but it's pretty much dormant right now. I mean, I experience some things here once in a while, but, but, um, but uh, it, it, it is not gone. There is no cure for AIDS. And anybody tells you there is, they just don't know what they're talking about. There is no cure for AIDS. And in fact, I got a little weary of taking pills and wasn't feeling good about a year ago, and I stopped for about three weeks, and I landed in bed for two months. Oh, wow. Um, I was so sick, I could barely lift my head, because HIV came roaring back into my system. Mm. Mm. So that's the problem with, that's the misnomer about these pills, and and the other issue is they don't last forever. You develop resistance to these medications. The body just does that. And as they develop resistance, the virus comes back into you know, full form. So when that happens, you have to find a different drug, a different combination of drugs to go on that are not only different drugs, but an entirely different class of drugs. And there's only so much ammo out there. So you know, I look at all the medications I've gone through over the years, and while they keep developing new drugs, you know, at some point you reach a limit to what's out there and what's available. And when these stop working, then what? There'll be another So, you know, I live with that all the time. I live with that reality that, you know, I'm on borrowed time. Uh, but you know what? I know that a lot of people don't really think about is that every one of you is living on borrowed time. It's true. We're all going to die. I just wake up kind of being a little more aware of it. (laughs) Randall, we need to take a break right now.
1: Um, You're listening to Waking Up in America. Uh, Randy Shannon actually is here. Uh, She's Mm -hmm. just been incredibly uh, listening on this one. And um, we're having quite a conversation here with Randall Neese, author of Gone Today, Here Tomorrow, about the effects of AIDS and long term relationships and. Um, just a remarkable guy that's um, sung with the Young Americans, that's produced television programs, and has a knockdown drag-out dog farm that's the most fun place you can imagine going, so we want to thank our sponsors Kayani And you can join us on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific for Mary Louise's introduction to Kayani and great health and the opportunity for great wealth. The seminar link is on the website at wakingupinamerica.com. So if you just hop on over there, you'll notice that the um, different sponsors are listed on the side, and we've got links to all of their websites. You want to do the Patricia Bragg, Randy? Because I know how much you love Patricia Bragg.
2: I, I do love this woman. For an entire interview, she can jog in place while doing windmills. So Patricia Bragg's <laughs> apple cider vinegar is the bomb. Uh that woman is I she probably would be mad if I said her age, so I won't. But she she's she's a, a perfect ripe age and she's not going anywhere anytime soon. So Patricia Bragg's apple cider vinegar
1: and other
2: go. products. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and I
1: I had to enroll her in Project 200, okay? I've created a project (laughs) called Happily 200. And definitely apple cider vinegar is part of how you get there. Uh, What we're looking at when you look at the possibility of living to be 200, if you accept it as a possibility, it doesn't mean that you're going to live to be 200. It means that if you accept that possibility, you will actually change the way you look at yourself and you look at things. I'm 74, so... At 74, normally, I'd be winding down. I might even start winding down. You know, people start winding down in their 60s and such when they retire. The moment you accept the possibility of living to be 200, the first thing that people frequently say is, I ain't going to do that in this body.
3: <laughs>
1: so they immediately start to go in for repairs, and they start to we start to treat our bodies with more respect. Um, just... Various things happen. One of the things that um, people report happening is that they don't feel time pressure anymore because the average person thinks that if you live to be 100, that's a long life, okay? So if you add another 100 to that, and so in my case I'd be dying at 20, you know, in 26 years, if I say, well, I could be around here 126 years, all of a sudden it's like, well, I better get my teeth taken care of then, and um, gee... um, I'd really like to be feeling good at 200. And the interesting thing that's been happening is, is that Randy and I are finding people that are w- way older. Um, even Barbara Walters did something um, with a man, a doctor, that said that the um, 150 would be the, the new time for passing. Um, since I've been doing this project, people are showing up, and they're. Getting me stem cells and anatomatic gold and all kinds of things that the ancients actually used. Because what inspired me to do this project was actually Ron Zeller's book, "Aging or Ageless," and um, the Bible that talked about people being four or five, eight hundred years old. 900. yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. So why not? So um, <laughs> I've created a club. <laughs> And um, you can call me at 310-455-8623. Um, a yearly membership to the club is $20, and it will give you uh, access to all the papers on our website. We'll have videos and things of that nature. We're already collecting things. We have a list of products that are all life extension. You know, the telomeres, you can check out the telomeres. over. It's, um, the telomeres are with the Aqua chi, which is a detox machine and. On- on the website, and the telomeres actually grow your DNA cap so that you're inst- when that cap disappears you 're actually dead, okay, so the telomeres actually cause that cap to to grow rather than to shrink so we're doing all kinds of things are happening, just like Randall was talking about um, what was going on with um, treating AIDS there's a lot going on with um, taking a serious look at life extension and how we can be happy and healthy. And, Randy, you're so good at Protandin. Why don't you, I love the way you do protandin'.
2: Love tandem and, and it's a good segue for that and Longevity. Both products were used. My dad has been battling cancer and just had surgery this week. And they initially said they were going to take 50% to the whole kidney. Had them on ProTandem. had them on Longevity Minerals, Etc., lots of things uh, like he meant. Uh, Randall mentioned a cocktail. I had my dad on a massive cocktail for the last four weeks, and they ended up only taking 15% of the kidney. Yes. So we went from 50% to 100% down to 15%. It was shrunk that much or wasn't as big as they thought. And we had four weeks to have him on this incredible, super high potent cocktail of. ProTandem, which is a blood cleaner, and it it, it uh, eliminates the free radicals in the bloodstream, and then you've got Longevity Minerals. You, you put those two together, and it was powerful, and uh, while recovery is always ugly, the first drink he <laughs> wanted was the Longevity Minerals, so uh, all very good stuff going on there. I don't go a day without taking those, not ever, and that's the same for my family, my kids, everyone.
1: And that's part of what makes her so dynamic when she does 42action.org, which you just might want to mention, too, since you know so much about that.
2: Yes, 42action.org. Knowledge is your primary defense. We meet once a week on the phone Thursday nights. We have a big conference call, and we talk about law cases, any of the corruption going on in law enforcement or judges, et cetera. Get registered at our site for free, 42action.org, and get educated on what's going on
1: how to handle it in our country. And we love Sir Jason Winter tea, too. Especially, it's it's chilly this morning, so I've got my tea this morning, and um, Mm, I I really like it. And I've turned out to be one of those people that is either allergic to coffee or allergic to acid or something like that, and if I drink my coffee, then my knees really hurt a lot or my joints hurt a lot. And when I change it to something like this, uh, a nice tea... Jason Winterty, for instance, um, my immune system is getting strengthened. My knees aren't hurting. I'm feeling sassier. So there's all kinds of things that you can do to um, give your personality and your physical sense a boost. And we also invite you to pick up some El Pinto salsa at Ralph's and visit El Pinto Restaurant, which is a a destination restaurant in Albuquerque run by my friend Jim and John. And uh, I, I love these guys. They've got Kangen water machines in their restaurant. They care about you, and they're taking care of you, and the service is absolutely extraordinary. Then we've got Marketing with the Stars. Um, if you check those out, they're they mailing out emails um, about 80000 I think. B- very reasonable prices on the subjects of your choice. Uh, a great way to get your message out. We've got the Galactic Federation with Sheldon and Colleen, and I, totally enjoy their monthly calls. We've got com, and once again, doctor is all spelled out. And the link on um, Longevity is now going to me now, Randy, so I wanted to let mm-hmm. you know that that had actually Oh, excellent. Happened. And um, I'm working on getting Dr. Alale over here to the house because um, what I'm going to do is the EMF waves Are really getting to us, and this is another longevity product, isn't it, Randy? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's called the Safe House. Okay, and you want to tell people about the Safe House?
2: Yeah. Basically, uh, long story short, your your house is uh, it's almost like a Taser. If you have wireless products and electricity running through it, it should be wrapped in a certain way as it comes into your house, and that would uh, neutralize the bad EMF rays, I guess, I don't know how to say it better, coming off of that electricity. And uh, Dr. Alali, her son got brain um, damage and she had breast cancer and they measured these EMF levels in her house from the smart meter outside the house to the wireless internet to the cell phones to the smart TV. All of it was super toxic, super high levels, almost like she was being radiated constantly. And that's what's going on in all of our homes. So, what you're talking about, the smart house wrapping, is we're putting together teams in this country, and they're going to travel this country for people that want to wrap their electric that's coming into their house appropriately, and it neutralizes that. Yeah, and totally. so you don't have those bad effects.
1: And you can put it on your cell phones, too, the nano balancers. This yes. Is, this is a big deal because <laughs> when you start to look at 200, you start to look at the possibility of, like, what's going on here? Why couldn't I? Okay, because most mm-hmm. aging is depletion. So what Randy and I are talking about is taking ourselves out from being under attack, which our guest Randall Neese certainly has done for himself in, in in his world. And we're taking a look at, for instance, I've got airport in my house. I've got all those things that Randy mentioned, and you have a lot of them too. And it even comes off the electrical wires and such. So... Um, all of these things are, are, are not just life-extending, they're quality-of-life issues. It's like whether you live to be 200 or 150, or I always told my parents or I'd be 127. So I've been on this path for a long time. They thought I was cute and they'd pat me on the head because I was the 127-year-old kid that was going to grow up to do that. So this is this is well worth it. Now, you're listening to Waking Up in America with Dr. Val Kirkard and Randy Shannon. And our guest today is. Um, let me remind you, in case you forgot his name, it's Randall Neese, and he wrote "Gone Today, Here Tomorrow." And I'm getting to a good part with you. I remember when you were in the hospital, mm-hmm. Randall,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you started reading books. And one of them, I believe, was the Bible. Would you like to tell us what you found in the Bible that meant to you, something to
3: you? Well, I was, you know, I was uh, kind of near the end at that point. Uh, and knew that I didn't have much time left, um, based on how sick I was, and so I went down to the reading room in the in the hospital and pulled a copy of the Bible off the shelf. And you know, I was born and raised in, in a Quaker family in Whittier. Um, it wasn't like you know we weren't like the guys on the cardboard can of you know Quaker oats, but you know we were just a normal family. But it was a Quaker family, and 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 fairly religious. I mean, our church was really our second home, and so it wasn't like. Uh, religion or the Bible was a stranger to me, but I, you know, admittedly, I had drifted away from it as I grew older, and I don't recall it, I, if I had ever even read the Bible from beginning to end, despite, you know, going to church three days a, a week and, and, and that kind of an upbringing. But um, I, you know, kind of laid in my hospital bed and kind of did a little self-inventory to see where I stood and, you know, in my relationships with people and, you know, were they all good, and did I wrap everything up in my life? And and it occurred to me, you know, I mean, I was a little worried about where I stood in God's eyes. And when you're raised your whole life telling, being told that you're evil and you're a sinner and you're going to hell and for who you are and for being gay, um, that kind of, you know, got to me a little bit as I re- approached the end of my life or what I thought was going to be the end of my life. So I decided to read it and see from cover to cover and see what it really did say. And I was, I think, one of the biggest things that, that struck me was, you know, there is only six short passages in the entire Bible that have anything even remotely to do with homosexuality, and even half of those are questionable about what they really mean, since the word did, it didn't even exist back then. So I realized that a lot, much ado had been made about what I thought was very little in the Bible, and um, and it and it and it and it. And it um, I don't know it gave me a perspective of what particularly the the New Testament of what the real message was of loving each other and treating each other kindly and you know you talk about the golden uh, the 10 commandments my my rule of life is the golden rule it's if it's how you treat other people the way you want to be treated and if we all followed that I think we'd also be a lot better off Oh
1: totally um,
3: but 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 that's the message I got out of it I got out of it that there was a lot of hubbub made about being gay. And then I tried to figure out why that was, and I realized, you know, there's a lot of money in it for a lot of these televangelists. You know, they get a lot of, they can drop a lot of, you know, hellfire and brimstone. And and, uh, and the money comes rolling in when they do that. And yeah. I think that it has been a, a very active campaign against GLBT community. Not so much because of what the Bible says, because it doesn't say a whole lot, but because it's a big money maker
1: yeah, totally. It, it, you know actually, what you're talking about is Jerry Falwell and people like that. They actually made money off creating war in a
3: sense, and oh of uh, course, so oh, we they're, have... they're, they're complete demagogues, right? you know my, my favorite chapter title in the whole book is "Dear Pat Robertson, My End is near Kiss it." <laughs> um and, and that's kind of how I feel about these guys. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Do no, I totally get it? I I just wanted to, I
1: wanted to brought out that you had actually read the Bible from cover to cover and that there was very little in it. Um, would you like to quote a couple of the very littles?
3: Well, you know I. There, there's the big Leviticus, you know, one that, uh, that all the Bible thumpers in the, you know, Westboro Church love to, you know, put on their signs of, you know, that it is it's a line with man, as with man is an abomination. The problem is that if you really look into the history of what's said in the Bible, a lot of it isn't pertaining to gay and lesbian relationships as we know them today. For instance. Some of the verses have to do with male temple prostitutes, and that that was the issue, not the fact that they were male, but that they were prostitutes at the temple. Um, So you have to get back into the history. There wasn't even a Hebrew word for homosexuality. So the story of, uh, of Gomorrah, of Sodom, isn't about, it doesn't really have anything to do with being gay. It has to do with being unkind and unwelcoming to strangers. Uh, and And that's what brought the, the the city of Sodom down. It wasn't the fact that they were gay <laughs> so, Wait, but you, know. you' have to get into some history you have to read you have to read some history and you have to understand why this has been so distorted and twisted and you know we talked a little earlier if there are so many versions out on on uh of the Bible out there. Doesn't that say something that that even the best Bible scholars can't agree on the same interpretation?
1: Well, first of all, Randy, the deal is is that the Bible scholars are not are not interpreting the Bible from Latin. Are they're interpreting it from Latin, and they're not interpreting it from Aramaic, and it makes a huge difference. Big difference. Uh, for instance, the word repent. In Aramaic actually doesn't mean you know throw yourself down and ask for forgiveness. it means um think it over mm-hmm. rethink what you just did it's not a It's not a sin conversation at all it's a It's a request to rethink something that's happened. The word pray actually doesn't mean once again to throw yourself down on your knees and beg to God to give you the things that you want it actually In Jesus' own words, it means to go out and get that which is yours. And I have to tell you, you and Joe have done that as well as any people I've ever met on this planet. There's a precision and a care and an excellence to what it is that you produce. If you want to take a look at somebody's excellence, just go take a look at Canyon View Rancher Dogs and get them to give you a tour around the ranch because it's, it's... it's a, it's a, it's heaven for, for dogs. And it's heaven for the owners that bring their dogs there. Uh, and it comes from a background of excellence that, that both of these men have and a, a tenacity and a, a Joe's tenacity for life and his solidness and his support <laughs> while he's going through this whole thing. Most, most marriage partners might be considering going out and getting drunk. Joe did He went and played pool, okay? <laughs> yeah. That's how he kept That was himself. his escape.
3: <laughs> that was his escape.
1: And it was like how he survived the whole thing, because well, Joe's I think one of these upbeat guys.
3: I, what? I was going to say, I think one of the reasons why our relationship has lasted for 32 years is that we're, in a lot of ways, we're very similar. I mean, we have a lot of similar tastes in things, music or movies or whatever, but we are so different in terms of personality, and Joe is just the most optimistic, carefree, everything's going to work out fine, uh, if I just don't think about it, it won't happen um, kind of person, and I'm about a 180 on that, and, and I found, you know, I found one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the requirements of being a really good producer, whether it's in television or anything else, is that you need to be a, 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 a born worrier and you know you worry about everything uh, and so if it does happen you're prepared for a for a solution right off the bat and i think that's kind of what producing's about is being you know ready for whatever might happen and having a solution to fix that um joe doesn't think that way his mind does not process stuff of oh my god what if this happens Uh, He just kind of, if it happens, he takes it at the time that it happens. So, (laughs) you know, know, we're very different that way, but I think it's what kind of has propelled us through the 32 years.
1: Wow. Randy, we're going into the last part of the show here, and I was wondering if you had any special interests or anything that you wanted to uh, make sure got on the air today.
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, And thank you for asking me, because there is one... One thing that I think is very, very important to me, and why I, uh, why I wrote the book, particularly re- came out with a, a second edition of the book about four or five years later, because I felt like in the first version that was published, I got a little something wrong—not not wrong, but I guess I missed something, or I was afraid I missed something. My life really turned around pretty quickly after I started taking the cocktail, and. Um, and it's doing i'm doing well now but it's not a normal life it's not like taking a bunch of vitamins they're very toxic medications they tire you out they have side effects and i felt that i might have given the impression particularly to young people that ah no big deal if you become hiv positive no no big deal they got pills now you just pop some pills and you'll be fine oh got it and I thought that was, I, you know, it wasn't an intentional message I was sending out there. It just that I was so intent on, on telling the happy ending to our story that I felt I neglected some of the realities of my life. And that worries me a lot in this younger generation, of, and even an older generation of people have become so complacent about HIV, and there's such a misnomer out there, that if you do become positive, it's not that big a deal. They have pills now. You just take the pills and you'll be fine. And I am living proof that it is not easy taking these pills day in and day out. It's a constant reminder of what's going on in your body. They're toxic. They have side effects. And who knows how long they last. Right. And let's add the fact that they're about $16,000 a year if you don't have insurance. Good Lord. So you know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to consider about going out and um, not protecting yourself, not having protection when you have sex with somebody, and um, and that was kind of a message that I wanted to get back out there when I uh, republished the book um, uh, a few years later, and I and I put some 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 afterthoughts in the book as uh, on uh, for that reason. Okay, thank you very much for this. And Miami,
1: Randy, any messages you want to get out on the air?
2: Well, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with our guest today, but you know, clearly that's why we do radio. We can have differing opinions. Um, you know, I, I take a, a, a very strong stance in difference with him on a lot of things that he said today, and I, and I don't want listeners to think that you know we all are in agreement on this show today, but. Um, He's still a great human being, and and I'm glad he wrote a book. And I love what he does for the animals. And uh, we just have differing opinions about the word, and we definitely have differing opinions about uh, male and female versus male and male. Um, Today's not my day to take a fight on this but I just want to make that clear that uh, we d- definitely have differing opinions and, and it should be noted that people do not all agree on his stance. But uh, with that said, uh, I love what he's doing with the animals and um, kudos to you and thanks for standing for them. And I do wish you uh, total recovery. I do wish that for you. And I do wish uh, that you could feel better all the time because it's, it's a tough road when you're sick. It's it's a tough road when you got to go down that. So I do feel for you very much in that respect. So, thank you. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> so for those, my message I want to get on the air is that for those of you who have been following the global currency reset, um, it looks like from all that I can tell that it's going to be happening in September or October. So, um, don't give up. <laughs> that was Mike. He's got the too. So don't give up on it, folks. It's. it's I saw that the current rates for the Iraqi <laughs> dinar are three ninety one to four fifty seven. Um, I don't see what they. I don't see the Vietnamese dong on here. Oh, there it is, so The BND is one sixty seven to two twenty seven. What's going to happen, folks, is if you're in the public, this may not happen. <clears throat> if you're in a private group, um, this will happen. So. The timing is what? Good, good gosh! How many years have we been waiting for this to occur? Well, it looks like this is the year for it to happen. So, uh, just I—I I read a quote by Martin Luther, and it said that you have to 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 keep going in this world. You basically you have to have hope. So, I really think that the possibility of the RB gave it gave me certainly a lot of hope when times were so difficult and so challenging. I just couldn't imagine making it and life was so hard and i cry because it was so much so much going on and all of that kind of stuff and i didn't like what was happening with the government and i still don't care for what's happening with the government uh, quite a bit actually um i'm told by the galactic federation and i'm told by other groups that we're actually are evolving that we're going into um a jubilee period in which people's um, debts will be forgiven, and I can see how that would happen. A lot of bankers are going to jail now, but the whole thing about the rV it, it actually got me through a tough period of time because it gave me hope, and people in the Republic would tease us about how about hope'. We talk about hoping because one more time the RV wouldn't go through, and then the RV wouldn't go through, and then the RV wouldn't go through. <laughs> but there is basically this hope that it will go through, and in it, somehow, I think it gives us a, a courage, kind of like Randall and his his and um, his treatment. It's, he gets to have a life. He may not have. You don't have an ideal life as far as your health is concerned, Randy. Mm-hmm. But you sure do have a life.
3: Oh yeah, no question got, about
1: that. You've got no question about that at all. So um, he's not promising you perfection or anything like that. What he's promising you to you is that he's telling you, I think, and you can correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong. You're telling him to stay
3: in the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and 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 it it doesn't hurt to have some, you know, a cheerleader beside you.
1: No, it doesn't, and it, and the same thing is true of uh, if you have cancer. So this is a request to stay in the game. Uh, this program has been brought to you by Kirkard Intergalactic Media, our radio <laughs> partners, com, Dr. James Murphy, John Denver, Tippy Hedren, Carol Channing, Deepak Chopra, Ed Adzner, Dennis Weaver, Larry Hagman, and Esther Williams, Admiral Eugene Carroll, Jane Goodall, and Jonathan Granoff, 42Action.org. DrValerie.com, and Doctors all spelled out. We thank our producers and sponsors. A big thanks to our team at Voice of America: Jess Finnard, Nathan Jet, Brad Comer, Ryan Treasure, Randy Jackman, DeMont, and our friends at Cumulus Radio. Mike Vitali, Ron Simon. Great kudos to Ron Hayes for his fifth year of being research director with us. To John, John Young at Totally Gospel. A big thanks to our webmaster Tremel Hubbard. Merci beaucoup. And to Ben Magen for our theme music, "Almost Ordinary People," which is available to you as a free MP3 next week in Brighter Friend to listen. Do a mitzvah today. Give someone a boost. Take charge of your life. We love you and we thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Au revoir. And You're not crazy anymore.
0: You've thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com.
1: This is for all you, pouring through. Now your heart is open.